0: Well, don't be surprised, Peter says. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's taking place among you to test you. At the time of this writing, Christians in Asia Minor, recipients of Peter's letter, were the persecuted ones. These were not upper class socialites or business leaders in the community or comfortable middle class bourgeois, Christians, for now, they're mostly vulnerable people, poor people, lower classes, slaves, servants, and wives who were regarded as the property of their husbands, often unbelieving husbands. Don't be surprised that of the way they're treating you, and the, the harsh behavior, they're ostracizing you, or calling you names like Christian. It's not as though something strange were happening to you. This is all to be expected, Peter teaches them. This is the same letter where he tells the flock, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own. And not only that, Peter says, but you are aliens and exiles. Don't be surprised then when you're tested, treated differently. You are different. So inasmuch as you suffer like the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, then you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Insofar as any of us are persecuted for embodying these expressions of the life and work of Jesus, Peter says we're sharing in Christ's own sufferings. And we will also share in his glory. All of this is true. And I will do my best to continue amplifying these very themes in everything I do. But today, today I invite you to hear Peter preaching a word to every person around the world who endures suffering as Jesus did. The word I have for everyone today is the same word with which Peter begins the passage. Rejoice. 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 Insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, Peter gives this sermon for every person with ears to hear and eyes to see. Remain steadfast in your faith, Peter says, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Now, I confess I don't quite know what to make of the word rejoice here. It seems as out of place as a diamond nestled in a patch of gravel. Peter speaks of persecution and suffering and anxiety. He describes an adversary prowling around like a lion, the devil, waiting to pounce on us at any moment. Peter takes pains to teach us that we are like vulnerable prey who could be devoured at any second by a predator that we can neither hear nor see coming. And due to these circumstances, Peter says, Rejoice! You may have seen the film A Quiet Place, a deeply unsettling story about a young family who must live in utter silence, lest the blind extraterrestrial creature with super sensitive hearing detect their location as he prowls around in the area around their home and neighborhood. They've rearranged their entire way of life around this reality, and they've rigged every room in their house to enable them to live together in near complete silence. This proves to be a very difficult thing when the wife, Evelyn, steps on a nail, drops a glass frame, and, oh yeah, goes into labor. Though none of us are being hunted down by extraterrestrials, so far as I know, we do have a common enemy around the world now. Now this relentless germ prowls looking for anyone to devour. Most of us can fight it off, but its victims are random, and no one is completely safe from the suffering it has the capacity to deliver. We too have rearranged our lives and our workplaces and, and homes in frustrating, often painful, or even sad or frightening ways. Our ministerial staff re- received a prayer request for a family in Virginia this past week. Family of five with two teenagers who remain in critical condition from this. COVID-19. And we pray for them fervently that God would strengthen them in this fiery ordeal and sustain them and provide healing and comfort. Yes, God, we pray plainly for their healing. I have a hard time understanding what Peter might mean by the word Rejoice under these circumstances. Unless we remember something about the word joy and rejoice in Scripture, which is that it doesn't mean be happy. Peter's not asking us to be happy in spite of the circumstances. We're not called to generate feelings that feel impossible for us to have in any given moment. How do you conjure joy? But if rejoice doesn't mean to be happy or cheer up, what could it possibly mean? I wonder if for all of our sakes, rejoice in Peter's terms has more to do with recognizing that we are with Jesus in suffering. Remember the words of Flannery O'Connor, that faith is not a big electric blanket, but the cross. Don't expect faith to clear things up for you. It is trust. It is trust, not certainty. And perhaps this rejoicing of which Peter speaks is an expression of trusting in this withering, fiery ordeal. Years ago, I was, if not by law, at least by circumstances, relatively quarantined to my own home as a caretaker of a sick child. Okay now, everything is fine, very lucky, but at the time, it was a lonely chapter of my life and my family's life, where we had to stay close to home for specific reasons. And our young infant needed to be fed in a special way several times a day. The pain that they felt when they ate required great attention and care and constant presence. I felt like I couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. I felt alone. I felt often afraid. My friendships, I sensed, suffered from the separation that was required of my relationships during that time of nearly a year, nearly a year. I remember cradling my infant. Walking up and down the stairs to distract them from their pain. I remember standing on top of the the mattress, the bed in my bedroom, to hold them up close to the ceiling fan to distract them from the pain that they felt as they ate. On and on these days when it seemed like they would never end. On and on. Never ending. Quarantine, separation, loneliness, despair, depression. I wondered what could ever come out of that time. I didn't do much rejoicing. I was too afraid and too frustrated to to rejoice. So often... This thing called joy, we don't know how to trace it, but we can often look back and see what's given rise to it in the present. For example, now I look back on that time and though I never want to do that again, I recognize a, a closeness with my family that I don't know that I would have if I had not gone through that ordeal. I recognize a a tenderness and a gentleness that is quicker to come that may not have been if I had not suffered through that time. Many of you have been caretakers in far more challenging circumstances than I have just described. You probably would not associate the word rejoicing with what you have gone through or are going through. But in due time, we look back on these things and we see the closeness with which we walked with the suffering Christ as we poured out ourselves. And others did the same for us. I I know these polls can be misleading sometimes, but a, a Pew Research Center survey from just a few weeks ago revealed that one quarter. A quarter of U.S. adults have said their faith is now stronger because of the coronavirus pandemic, while just 2% say their faith has become weaker. That's not just Christians, but all Americans. Interesting how fiery ordeals tend to reveal and illuminate things that really matter for all all of us. These days I find that as good an invitation as any to rejoice. What about your faith? Do you sense that it has grown or or weakened in spite of this fiery ordeal? If it has grown, why do you think? If it has diminished, why do you think? Whether it has strengthened or diminished, sisters and brothers, I want you to know that the God of all grace is still with you no matter how you feel. Maybe you're at your wits' end with the burdens of life. Maybe you feel lonelier than you did before. You may be grieving with. Some of your own members who have endured recent unimaginable painful losses in their lives. Maybe you're one of those. Those among us who grieve from broken dreams or feel that God has abandoned or punished them. Maybe you're holding things in your heart without sharing them with others, like fear or anger or despair and feeling the weight of your burdens pressing down even more than before. Rejoice, dear friend, rejoice. Know that you are sharing in Christ's sufferings. Know that God is with you in a special way now, even if you don't feel it right now. This is Ascension Sunday after all. Remember the story of Jesus taking up the disciples to the top of that mountain and speaking last words to them and then receding into a cloud that enveloped him and him vanishing. Now he sits at the right hand of God and what that means for you and your suffering is that no longer is Jesus in a particular historical place, but able to be everywhere. Everywhere. And anywhere he is needed, including with you, even though you don't see him, even though you cannot touch him. This is the power of God at the ascension and afterward, that God is with us in all our sufferings. As Peter says, and after you've suffered for a little while, the God of grace who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Or has your faith strengthened? Has your trust in God grown in these latter days? You feel a new closeness, perhaps, with your family or friends or neighbors. Maybe you've actually met some neighbors now that you didn't know before. Maybe before March 23rd, you'd never said hello to Joe or Anthony or Cindy. But now you have. Ironically, when you can't shake their hands or sit in their living rooms with them and have a cup of coffee now you know them better than before. We see impromptu social distancing picnics and cul-de-sacs and on neighborhood streets. We see folks with an extra excitement in their salutations to one another. We see people sharing memories and stories that they may never would have shared they hadn't had the sense of this occasion and this ordeal amplifying their humanity and desire to be with others. It could be that your imagination about what being family or friend really means or what being a neighbor means or what being a human being means. Rejoice. For you're imagining along with the imagination of God. Maybe you're already imagining plans for what you're going to do when all of this is over and who knows when. When I ran into my neighbor Ruth the other day, she told me of how she asked two of her friends what they planned to do. One said, I'm going to go see the Grand Canyon. The other said, I can't wait to go to Target and buy a coffee pot. Rejoice in all these things. Rejoice, for as Peter says, and after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will restore and support, strengthen and establish you. I don't know what you're going through, your faith is diminished or strengthened, but I do know this, whether good news comes or bad, whether life is turned upside down or not, this Ascension Sunday we affirm and we proclaim Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God and that means he is is everywhere. The theologian Leslie Newbigin was once asked, are you an optimist or a pessimist? He said, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. So friends, this is the life we've been given to cast all our anxieties on Him and to rejoice. So I invite you, friends, to this good life. Enjoy.